You can have all the Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio podcast with our new app. Just search your app store, uh, Apple, Android, Kindle. We don't care what you use. Search the app store for Explorations Early Learning. Download the app. Give it a try. Welcome to Renegade Rules. Kick back, settle in, and let us fill your ear holes with early learning information, wisdom, and advice. And now, here's Heather and Jeff. Hey, welcome to Renegade Rules. Jeff Johnson here on the phone. I got Heather Shoemaker. And Heather, we got a special guest with us. Tell us about that. Yes, um, well, we have our guest is Cheryl Ryan, and she hails from Columbus, Ohio, which is my um, birthplace and, and um, hometown of the School for Young Children that I write about in my books. Um, and Cheryl is um, a founder of a brand-new school um, called Red Oak. Is that right, Red Oak? Community? That's correct, yeah. And it's, it, it's starting to take the idea of let's, create a healthy place for kids who are kindergarten age and a little bit older than that, not just making wonderful programs for early childhood, preschool age, but let's do the same thing for those kindergartners who are really feeling the pinch of first grade as the new kindergarten. So welcome, Cheryl. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and you know, I've been talking about you around the country when I speak to groups because there's a lot of frustration and hopelessness, and I'm yes. sure you're aware of that. So yes. tell me what got you to take that feeling of frustration when you found there weren't programs that were appropriate for kindergarten age and, and turn it into something new and wonderful. Well, for me personally, um, it had a lot to do with my own children who were um, kindergarten age, and I didn't like any of my options, and we had waited, and now she's turning six, and now she has to be in kindergarten um, legally, and so we a new school had opened up outside of Columbus that was um, a Sudbury model school, which I hadn't heard much about, and we did some research and decided it wasn't really for us, but it started a conversation um, about... Um, how people want this sort of an option now, that there was a need that no one was fulfilling. Um, so why not us? You know, moms are always the catalyst for change, I always say, especially in education. So so why not us? So we um, we just called a meeting. Um, I said, well, let's just do this. There were so many people interested. And we called a meeting um, at a coffee shop, and about 20 moms showed up, and we just threw around some ideas. And one of the moms that came had started a school before, and and she sort of steered the conversation from can we do it to how should we do it and what kind of school do we want. Um, and everyone really was looking for the same kind of things, more of a play-based sort of program, more of a, a gentle, child-led, you know, kind of a um, education model that is not available at least um, or was not here in Columbus. Wow, I mean, at your first meeting, you you changed the conversation to, yeah. should we do this, to how are we going to do it? How? Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. So talk, talk us through, uh, I'm sure there are people listening who are in their own communities feeling that same frustration and lack mm-hmm. of options, and they've got kids who are about to be kindergarten age. So mm-hmm. what did you do next? Well, um, from that point, we sort of... Um, started categorizing the discussion that we had had, and it was a long, I want to say it was an hour, an hour and a half discussion between all of these moms who ranged from unschoolers to 
um, more more tra- having more traditional backgrounds um, as well, but we're looking for a change. So we just sort of started to um, develop categories and, and, and decide what kind of a school we wanted, and then we just started researching the how. You know, we knew that it was possible because it had been done, and what was also interesting was that we found that alternative schools started popping up in the late 70s. All kinds of alternative schools had popped up at that time. Uh, Most of the private schools in Columbus had started then, but then there was a new wave of schools that started to come about in, in the 2000s. And so we also were emboldened by that, and we felt like we were just part of a wave of people who felt the same way. And so um, to feel like you have company in that, you know, it, it uh, made us a little bit more confident that it could be done. So we just started researching Ohio law and getting as much information as we could um, and found that it wasn't actually as difficult as we thought it would be. Um, so we just filed the paperwork and, and started going, and we did a fundraiser to file the IRS paperwork and just started putting one foot in front of the other. And, and But the community was there, and the community was with us, and they were behind us, and they wanted it clearly. Um, so that part was really, we didn't have to sell it to anyone. They were flocking to us. Um, so, you know, we that, that part of it was, was simple for us. So it was sort of a matter of fundraising and paperwork, really. I see. So it wasn't hard to find the families that would send their kids to your school. Right. But getting the paperwork, getting some money, getting a building. Can you tell us about, you know, it sounds yeah. good, but how do you do it? But how do you do it? That's right. Um, well, what was funny, the location search has always been um, a really stressful but very exciting at the same time uh, piece of this whole thing. We knew that we weren't going to be able to purchase anything in our first year, so we were mostly just looking at rental options. Um, and we found a few. Um, we sort of fanned across the city and tapped into all the moms that we knew and some dads, too, um, and found three really fantastic options. And um, and at this point, we had gone from a steering committee to a board, so we were, you know, we were official. We were having official meetings and all of that, so we had our location meeting and chose a location in um, First Unitarian Church, which is a secular church here in Columbus, um, graciously offered to let us rent their brand-new classrooms, um, and it's been very symbiotic, that relationship. You know, our, our missions are very similar. We don't have an official relationship with the church, but they've been very supportive um, of us, and we're very grateful, but we're only there for this year, and we'll have a new location. Next year, we're going through the same process again. So, um, yeah, the location search has been tricky, but there's so many options. Uh, you can put a school just about anywhere in most places. Um, so even a residential home would work as well. So it's it's um, it's less tricky. The the trickiest part, honestly, was finding natural wooded acreage. So that's that's actually been the more most difficult part <laughs> of the search. Because that was important in your in your criteria for exactly. what the kids needed to experience on a daily basis. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So and by the way, the, and the first Unitarian Church in Columbus is also um, the host of the School for Young Children. Right, yes. So it's nurtured, um, and that's more officially part of their program, but it was started by people just like you, some moms who got together and said, what do kids need and how can we fulfill it, and found a place to um, host their program. Right. Um, And what about finding your people? I'm not talking about the students, but the teachers and the people who Mm. are going to be with the kids every day. How did you Mm -hmm. go about doing that? 
Yeah, that was the other big piece when we first started this conversation. Who in the world are we going to find that is going to be the perfect person to lead the classroom um, and to be that first teacher that we hire? And um, the woman that I mentioned earlier, Nicole, who actually founded the Juniper School in Columbus, she brought on a woman named Maureen, and um, Maureen had been a teacher in her past in a you know regular public school in a few different places. Um, first through third grade and, um, you know, had all of her schooling, all of her licensing and had been teaching. Um, but when she had her sons, she just sort of realized that the way that things had been going weren't the way that things should go in schools. And she stopped teaching um, and eventually found a play-based preschool program that she was teaching in. But, you know, wanted to get back into teaching, but only if it was the kind of program that would align with her morals and her values and what she had learned about early childhood education since having her own sons. Um, so Nicole had brought her to a meeting that we had, a small meeting, and we all just sort of immediately knew that she was that she was the one. Um, and, and from there, you know, we went through a hiring process. We hired a second teacher who has more of a um, natural, uh, you know, naturalist sort of a science background um, that was a good complement to Maureen's um, literacy and math background. So um, they really complement each other really well. And we just hired a third teacher actually um, a few weeks ago because we had so many kids that wanted to come in and we needed a lot more spots. So it sort of happened slowly and naturally, but it's it's been working out really, really well. And we'll be hiring again in the spring, so we'll be starting through starting that process again soon. So it sounds like it's been pretty smooth sailing for you. Can you just um, tell everybody again the name of your school and how, what ages it does and what its main philosophy is? Just give us a little snapshot of, of your program. Sure, sure. Um, the name of the school is Red Oak Community School. Um, right now we have five- to eight-year-olds. Uh, they're all in one class together, so we just started off with one class. Uh, we're going to go up to 14 years, which is essentially K through eight but we're getting away from grades and, and um, grouping the students by age, which is more, we feel like that's more appropriate. Um, our, our tagline um, is nature or education through nature immersion. Um, nature immersion is kind of a phrase that we sort of made up, but I guess exists in other places as well. Um, you know, basically we just feel like kids need... Um, they need some time to be outside to move their bodies. Um, there's something about being outside for an hour in the morning um, that prepares their brains for learning inside the classroom. Um, so the, the nature focus is definitely part of it, um, child-led experiential learning, project-based learning, all of these sort of things um, are, are kind of at the core of our program, but also um, addressing the needs of the community, which is part of why we have a part-time option as well for families that are homeschoolers. So we're actually a homeschool supplement program. Um, so that was another kind of pillar of, of what we wanted as a community, what we wanted in a school. And can you give us um, uh, an idea of how long this all took? You know, you got the mm -hmm. idea, we should mm -hmm. do this. You have your first mm -hmm. meeting in a coffee shop, and now I know there are kids actually going to school. So how long did that process take? Yeah, so let's see, the, the school that sort of inspired the uh, discussion um, opened, I believe, in July of last year, so July 2015, and we started, our first meeting was in August, and gosh, by 
trying to remember when we officially became, oh, October. So by October 2015, we were, um, we had filed as a nonprofit with the state of Ohio and had a board and, you know, had sort of formalized that process. And then we had a location by December. Admissions process started at that point. We got a lot more <laughs> applications than we thought um, we would. And then we started school the following August. So it's really only been a little more than a year since the conversation even began. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's fast. It's been, it's been very, very fast. But, but our kids were starting kindergarten, and we knew that we had to get it done. So we kind of back-timed it and just went as quickly as we could and as responsibly as we could and, um, and got it done. And like I said, the community wanted it, so it, that part was easy for us. And what, what would you tell other families who are listening and thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm not sure I can pull that together. Um, <laughs> what would you say to inspire them that, yes, we do need good um, age-appropriate kindergarten and first-grade classes and, and how they can do this in their own, in their own neck of the woods? Um, gosh, you know, I, I, I tend to tell people that half of the battle is just getting that inertia rolling, you know, getting the right people at the very beginning and just make a date, you know, and, and have, see who shows up at, at your coffee meeting <laughs> and, um, just keep, I don't know, just keep putting one, one foot in front of the other, but having, having the right the right people at the very beginning was really, really important for us. Um, and, and having Nicole come on um, as a person who had done it, and, and she was kind of the main person that was like, you know, this can be done. That, we don't need to talk about that. You know, let's just do it. And um, we just set little goals, you know, one step at a time, and just started ticking off those goals as we got them. And, and the goals would be, you know, we need $100 to file as a nonprofit with Ohio, so we did that. And then we needed to form, well, we formed the board just before that, but, you know, get that paperwork into place. And then the next goal was we need to file our IRS paperwork. And so we had to raise money because that fee is like $850, which is no small amount. So, um, you know, that was the next goal. And then we, we needed a logo. We needed a website. You know, these little things, all of the little pieces um, we sort of, divided up those pieces and just started hitting those one step at a time, you know, and that made the the larger picture a little less, well, a lot less intimidating, actually, um, to not think of, oh, my God, we're starting a school. Who does this? We were just like, no, we just need to file this paper, you know, and, right, and it made it a lot easier. Time. Yes, right. right and right. has this been, um, obviously, it's, it's a labor of love, but has it been a, a labor of love, uh, or have you been able to get paid? Is this all volunteer from your point of view? So it has been volunteer. Um, all of the moms that were involved um, have been volunteering. All of our board members are volunteers. Um, now, once the school year started, I ended up becoming the director. I have management experience, and so it was sort of a natural fit anyway. So as director, I, I, I take a small salary. Um, I'm part-time, so, you know, what the school can afford. And the teachers obviously are being paid as well. But um, but my uh, my duties as a board member and all of the other board members as well as everything else is volunteer. So. Um, and well, how many kids do you have that in your opening season, your opening school year? Opening year, yeah. We have, right now we have about 35 in our one class. Um, so 
some are part-time and some are full-time. Um, we found that our full-time class has grown as kids have wanted to stay longer. <laughs> they, they don't want to go home. Um, and as people have heard, um, as we've gone through this process, we keep hearing people say, oh, oh, you are, oh, you're really doing that. We thought you were just talking about it. Like most, you know, and so people kept saying, and then when our admissions process started and they were like, oh, oh, there's an application. Okay. Oh, so this is like a school. And we still find that now, um, getting into November that there's still people that have known about this from the beginning, but they're still seeing, no, this is really happening. This is really a school. The kids are really learning. They're learning the same things kids are learning in public school, but in a more appropriate way. So we've slowly still had people filtering out of public school and into, or, or from homeschooling families into our program because um, we find the more time we've been around, the more people believe it's actually happened. <laughs> right. They believe, they believe in you. You're real. They can touch you and, and right. see you in action. Right, yeah. right. Right. Jeff, you're awfully silent. Are you still there? Well, I've I've brought up the application form for uh, starting a charter school in Iowa while you've been talking, uh, <laughs> because my four-year-old granddaughter has been talking to her mommy about school, and you know they're having a conversation mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago, and and granddaughter was explaining this to me, and she's like. Papa, I gotta. You go to school and you gotta ask to go to the bathroom, and I I can't eat when I want to, mm. um, and all these mm. kind of things. And it's been making me kind of sad because we homeschooled our kids, and uh, I got to tell you, when I get done with this podcast, I'm emailing a couple of retired teachers to ask them if they want <laughs> an adventure for their retirement. Uh, Cheryl, my big question <laughs> is um, two big questions. One, uh, are are you? How does Ohio work? Is there is there state money uh, per child coming in, or how are you how are you paying for things? And two, what was the scary part? Oh boy. Um, okay, I'll start with the first one. So um, in Ohio, uh, so we are not a charter school. We're um, charter or public charter school. I'm uh-huh. sorry. Um, we decided we did not want to go that route because um, being a public school would mean that we would need to do testing and, you know, grades and homework and things that we just, well, maybe, I don't think they legislate homework, um, yeah. <laughs> but anyway. Not yet. Um, <laughs> not yet, right, but they, but it would force us to do things that we, that were sort of at the core. We always say we do no grades, no homework, no testing, and if we have to give on any of those three things, we're not going to do it. So, um, so in Ohio, there's a couple of options for forming the school, and, um, the one that we chose is basically to be unaffiliated with the Ohio Department of Education, um, completely unaffiliated. And so it, essentially what we are legally is a homeschooling school. Um, all of our students file as homeschoolers. They notify as homeschoolers to the state, um, which also means all of our teachers are, I mean, I'm sorry, all of our parents are teachers as well and, you know, get a lot of teacher discounts that, public school teachers get too, which was a funny perk. But um, so that's kind of how, how we've done it. But that also means that we get zero dollars from the state. We get zero dollars from um, the federal government. We could, in the future, uh, we could apply for a private charter, um, but it's difficult to get in touch with um, Ohio Department of Education and, and get some questions answered. But, if, but again, if it uh, meant that we had to do testing, we're not going to take that money, but but the the plus of being chartered by the state would be that you know financial, um, and it's a big plus. Well, choosing, but if it would choosing, eat at the heart of what we were doing, we're going to not 
we're going to not do that. Yeah. So, Cho- so choosing, that remains to be seen. So right now we are just unaffiliated. We're choosing just, your freedom over, over their money is, a, is probably a good right. choice. Yeah, yeah. And, and, that, and that decision um, will be made as a community, whether we want to do that process. But if, you know, if it requires any of those things, it's a deal breaker for mm-hmm. us. So, you know, yeah. no discussion needs to happen. And also, you know, if we accept vouchers, I'm pretty sure that the voucher kids have to be tested because it's because you know, they're getting money. state money, um, and so that would preclude us from doing that as well. We just aren't going to test kids that need vouchers and not the rest, and we're certainly not going to test them all either. So it kind of puts us in a difficult spot. But yeah. that means we're 100% tuition based. Um, we have an annual fundraising goal, which essentially um, supplements tuition. Um, we we put tuition at a place where we were comfortable knowing that or assuming that we could raise the amount of money that we needed to go towards our operating budget. And and I think we're going to hit that goal. So that was a good <laughs> good decision in the end, although that was a hard meeting. That was a, um, you know, yeah. that was a difficult place to be. But, um, but we are 100% tuition-based right now. We've talked about possibly running a business alongside the school as a nonprofit also, and the money would go to offset tuition. So we're hoping to, um, in the future, even lower tuition if we can. Um, so that's kind of where we are now. Um, and you asked, uh, what, what was, was the scary, what was the scary part? part? Uh, the scary part was always that it just wouldn't work out. I mean, there was always sort of a possibility that, I don't know, some sort of, that we missed something or that insurance wouldn't come through or the location wouldn't come through because that's a big one or just something big that we did not see coming. Um, and nothing, none of that has transpired, but it's always, I think, been in the back of my mind anyway, and I just ignore that voice, basically. <laughs> um, so far, so good. Yeah, I'm 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 fascinated by people that see a problem and then it, it, it's so much easier not to do anything. I mean, right? It, 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 <laughs> yeah. And and that when when people are willing to step off the ledge and uh, and 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 do a new thing like this, you you invented a school, and that's that's amazing. <laughs> and and that stepping off the cliff, that moment fascinates me. And so so I applaud you and everybody else involved for <laughs> for being able being able and willing to take that leap because most yeah. of us aren't that brave most of the time. But but could be. Well, yeah. it helps to have bravery when you have company. And I, I yes. think Cheryl mentioned right. that already. Yeah. Doing it alone is terrifying. But if you have a group of people who mm-hmm. continually inspire each other, yes. and right. I think that's what we're doing partly with this podcast is inspiration. Yeah. Yeah. So my question to you, Cheryl, is have you found yourself in the role of being a mentor already mm-hmm. in these early stages of your school to other people who are trying or dreaming about doing what you just did? Well, you know, it's funny you ask because someone did email me a few weeks ago from, um, I can't remember, from the Ohio Valley maybe, nearby but um, but not quite close enough that they could attend our school, asking how they could do it. And, you know, my, my days are sort of swamped with details and, and, you know, things that have to be done, and I haven't been able to get back to her, but... But, yeah, I mean, she she reached out to me and, and said, how do we do it, you know? Um, and so one of the things that has also helped, I was going to say, is we have gone out to the Antioch School in Yellow Springs, Ohio, which is an incredible school, and it's in Ohio, and it's only an hour and a half away, and 
they are they have been doing this for 95 years and we are just trying to bring that school to Columbus essentially once we were there you know and had our feet on the ground and saw it um, it was really also easy to say they did it so we can do it and so I'm hoping that um, that this person in the Ohio Valley will be able to come up and just hang out for a day like we did and see that it can be done um, and just make that first step you know call call a meeting <laughs> Go out to coffee. Do you think on the whole, sorry, do you think on the whole that it was easier than you thought? I mean, lots of hard work, lots of details, but do you, did you expect it to be harder to set up the school? Honestly, yes, absolutely, I did. <laughs> I mean, when we were looking into um, opening as a, a private charter school, that process is really intimidating. And then to find that we didn't have to have a charter, that you are able to operate a school in Ohio without one, and that's what the Antioch School had been doing for, for well, for 95 years now. Um, that just knocked down all kinds of walls for us. Um, and when we first got the IRS paperwork, which is a huge application, I mean, our application ended up being 50 or 60 pages long, that was a big hurdle. And to have gotten that out of the way um, was really was really big for us. So, yeah, but that's what I, I've been telling people. I said, you know, it's it's a lot easier than you would think um, to start a school in the state of Ohio, for sure, because they have this homeschooling um, school sort of legal status, uh, which is rarely used, and I'm always, I find myself explaining it to the public schools when kids are withdrawing from their schools and coming to us, um, trying to explain how it works, but um, it, it is relatively easy in Ohio. If you have the people, it can be done, so... Wonderful. Well, thank you, Cheryl, um, on yeah. behalf of children who get to go to your amazing school <laughs> and for inspiring all the people you don't even know you've inspired yet who are going to, yeah. some of them, take this and start a school themselves. Yes, so, I hope so. Our hats are off to you. Is there anything <laughs> thank else you. you want to leave as a, as a message to everybody who's listening here? Uh, you know, I would just say it's worth it in the end, all of the stress and the work it's, it's worth it when we see the kids um, so happy, especially on the muddy, muddy days. They're <laughs> so happy. <laughs> They're so happy. So it's, it's really worth it. That's all I would Good. say. Yeah. Well, here's to mud. Yes, right, exactly. <laughs> yay, yay mud. Hey, Cheryl, as we wrap up, um, if anybody wants to reach out to you, is there a website or mm -hmm. email or how can we? Yes, yeah. Um, our website is uh, redoakcommunityschool.org. And uh, my email address is just Cheryl, C-H-E-R-Y-L, at redoakcommunityschool.org. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Thanks for joining us. And Thank you. folks, you just met Cheryl Ryan, one of my <laughs> heroes, one of the founders oh. <laughs> and the director of Red Oak Community School. Thanks well, so thank much. you so much for having me. There we yeah. go, listeners. Bye. There we go, listeners. <laughs> we'll bye -bye. be back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. Music by Alexander Shoemaker. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh. Hey, you want to support all the Upstairs Studio podcasts? It's as simple as this. Use our Amazon link when you shop Amazon. We get a small percentage of what you spend. You don't pay any extra. You get your stuff from Amazon. Everybody wins. 
Where do you find the link? Well, it's on the Explorations Early Learning app. You can find it on the Explorations Early Learning website. And if you don't find it in those places, just get a hold of Jeff on Facebook or via email, and he'll hand-deliver it to your inbox. Thanks for your support. Bye-bye.